Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was a lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio 600 Kogo. I am Scott Lewis, the CEO and editor in chief at Voice of San Diego, and I'm joined by nobody you're used to. Although sometimes they come in and it's going to be great to see how they do today. So first off, I have uh, on my left, I've got Jacob McWinney. What's up, Jacob? Nothing much. He is our education reporter, but has also supplemented some of our reporting about homelessness recently as well. And of course, uh, Lisa Halverstadt. What's up, Lisa? So much. (laughs) (laughs) So much has been happening. A lot of things are up. Yes. So Lisa, of course has been our main reporter for several years on homelessness issues, and she is here and joining us and rounding out this little round table, although it's a square table, <laughs> is Will Huntsbury. What's up, Will? Hello, Scott. This, this only feels a little bit like a test, but I think we'll do fine. <laughs> I think so, too. Uh, yeah, so what we've decided, we weren't going to do a show this week. Our producer's out of town, and Andy's uh, left, and we're trying to you know get a bunch of things done. I put in the special podcast uh you should listen to my interview with mayor todd gloria about what we're going to discuss but this week has been so interesting and so important in the ongoing story about homelessness that we decided it couldn't go by without our expert commentary had and insights lots we of had things, to do it lots of things we have to say of course cannot let the week finish without our observations so there was an incredible meeting on tuesday of the San Diego City Council, 10, almost 11 hours of discussion and debate about the ordinance that I spoke with Mayor Todd Glory about. So, uh, Lisa, help me with this uh, these basic facts. So, the City Council voted 5-4 to four to at least approve for now. They'll have to go through a couple other procedural motions and it'll have to be signed by the mayor. But the ordinance that would ban uh, camping on public property at all times, if it's within two blocks of a shelter or a school, mm-hmm. also in parks, beaches, 
uh, open spaces and along major transit hubs. Now, wait, parks was taken out. Not quite. So there was an amendment uh, on Tuesday night that, you know, initially it was supposed to be all parks um, that uh, yes. Council Member Vivian Moreno, for those who are close listeners of this podcast, will know that in April she pushed to have all parks be included. It was originally just like a handful of parks, including Balboa Park and Mission Bay Park. Um, but there was some concern because in order for the city to be able to defend this in court um, for the areas where, you know, camping is banned at all times, they need to be able to show that there's a public health and safety issue tied to homelessness um, in this particular park. So uh, Council Member uh, Marnie Von Wilpert put forth an amendment that would just have this apply to parks where there's a clear public health and safety issue. Mm -hmm. And so now we don't know for sure which parks are going to be included. One would imagine that Balboa Park and Mission Bay Park probably would be included, but it's not clear if every park or Right. You know which parks would be covered. Was there was there a clear definition of what a public health and safety issue is? I mean, that sounds like a pretty broad definition. Uh, as as I understand, it is pretty broad, and that's yeah. part of the issue. I do think it's important to note, and we're going to probably talk about this quite a bit, is that in addition to these areas where camping would be banned at all times that we just talked about, they also as part of this ordinance, will ban camping on all public spaces when shelter is available. Right. So that was the, the, the that's basically the heart of the debate. I think I think you could have gotten all the city council members to support or most of them to support the first part about banning a twenty four seven ban in some places. In areas around schools and such. I think that what what you've just mentioned now is that this ordinance also says, yeah, for every part of the city, as long as there is shelter available. And that question of what does it mean to have shelter available? Is there shelter available? Will there be more shelter available? That was probably 70% of the meeting, right, was this discussion about that. And then I think we're going to spend probably 70% of our time talking about that <laughs> as well. So let's uh, let's keep going through this. Now, I was actually curious how they defined camping and camp. So I looked that up. They said camp means to pitch, erect, or occupy an encampment or use camp paraphernalia have you heard of camp par paraphernalia before? <laughs> for the purpose of or in a way that facilitates outdoor sheltering for living accommodation purposes for remaining outdoors overnight. Camp paraphernalia includes tarps, cots, beds, sleeping bags, hammocks, bedding, camp stoves, cooking equipment, buckets, and similar equipment. Now, an encampment, this was interesting too, is one or more temporary makeshift or hand-built structures not intended for long-term continuous occupancy, including tents. Now, one of the reasons I was so interested in that definition is because so much of the discussion about this has been how it will solve a lot of problems with homelessness that people are experiencing in their day-to-day quality of life issues with walking to school or whatever and they have to see certain things or it, it was it was starting to get applied to just people who were you know clearly unsheltered or for whatever reason people suspected they were unsheltered and the 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 nuisance or so that they perceived about them right and that this would address that right and i think like i i just i didn't know if encampment was going to be broadened to understand if anybody's just somewhere and it sounds like they have to have the intent of staying the night mm -hmm. or looks like they have to 
But maybe if they just have a tent out or these kind of paraphernalia out, it could also be applied to that. Yes, I think it's important to just think about if you take a walk in East Village right now, yeah. you know, 24-7, there are encampments up. And Todd Gloria wants to stop that. He doesn't want those tents to be up all the time. Yeah. But, you know, even uh, I, I've heard people talk about how enforcement happened prior to the pandemic under the past mayor. And, um, you know, sometimes people were moved along back then just for having their belongings on the sidewalk. Right. And that really, you know, by most people, by what I hear from most people, hasn't happened so much the past three years. But are we going to go back to a place of like, you've got to go because you've got some stuff strewn out here on the sidewalk? Well, here's the big deal. So that that was the encroachment law that they're enforcing there. And that was enforced with an infraction, right? But a misdemeanor as well. It can be on the third offense. If it compounds. Yes. Right. This law can be enforced, prosecuted as, if you violate this law, it can be prosecuted directly as a misdemeanor. Uh, that's at least according to the ordinance. So my understanding is that this would still be following what the city calls its progressive enforcement model, which means the first time someone's encountered warning, then infraction, then misdemeanor. No, no. They took the infraction out. That's what Taguchi said. Yeah, misdemeanor. I'm looking at it right here. Second time, if shelter is refused, officers should issue a misdemeanor citation. Yeah, that he specified in that conversation that they got rid of the infraction part of their what they used to do to infra into to encroachment that they uh they took from four steps down to three steps and it goes right to yeah they have to they have to take a bunch of steps first before they can get to the point where they're they're giving you a, a crime misdemeanor but there's no infraction part of it wow i'm gonna have to listen to that part again yeah. it was a long meeting it was <laughs> it was now this was another part of it too it said that uh, officers shall not issue a criminal citation to enforce a violation of this law between the hours of 9 p.m. and 5.30 a.m. So they would only do this during the day. Okay, lastly, there were a couple other amendments that were put forward. One of them is that they're not going to start enforcing this until 30 days after the creation of a safe camping site at 20th and B., near Balboa Park. And um, that is, they said, uh, the mayor told me in this room last week that that was going to be opened, he hoped, by July 1st, which seemed like like really soon. Um, <laughs> that's that's uh, two weeks or yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. So that would be really interesting if that happens. Now let's dial back for a second. So this concept of like, we need to not allow people to be in the streets camping right and we should make sure there's places for them to go and we should kind of enforce that and then and then provide places for that 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 lisa is, is it fair to say is the framework of ideas that go back now six or seven years right there is no this is Quite not a while. new concept not new glory always says if there's a place to go you can't say no that's their their whole slogan on the thing right and it's it's a similar one that kevin faulkner had before yes. right? almost verbatim right uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> uh so so and and I, again about a year and a half ago i wrote a piece as well saying like one of the interesting things about homelessness that's occurred over the last uh 15 10 years is this the the advent of the tent right the personal mm. camping tent that homelessness had always existed um but it, it 
you know, there's this sort of stereotypical man on a, a bench in the in the park, or people gathered in the in the riverbeds, or otherwise just solitary figures around. Now they would gather, but something happened. I still say around ten, eleven years ago, where this where the tents became prominent and people created communities out of them, encampments, mm-hmm. um, and. And so, you know, one of the things I tried to argue last year is like, well, we should that that represents a seeking a, a, a human urge for shelter and community, and totally, totally. and we should try to set places aside for that to manifest rather than just keep you know beating them down and having them recreate that same thing. Create places for them to to take that community that we can, and then we can clean up other parts of the of the area. Now, the mayor's office literally sneered at me <laughs> about that and the, the concept of open spaces, and now they're creating them. And, then, and as the mayor told me last week, he said, look, I, I, I'm asking these uh, homeless individuals to change their minds, and I've, I feel like I should have to change my mind, too. Now, they promised in this meeting, I thought this was really interesting, that people would be able to move their pods, as they call them, their communities, into that safe camping spot how many spots is that first one supposed to have do you know 136 and then the second one is it (laughs) and then the second one is in a nearby lot in balboa park that used to be managed by the navy and how many spots is that supposed to have probably about 400 so we're talking about hundreds of new uh, spots available however there are thousands of people unsheltered now. So thousands. You guys uh, wrote in different ways. Last week we had the point in time count come out. We weren't able to talk um, too much about it, but tell us what were the bottom line numbers of that. Oh, so there was, you know, an overarching increase in homelessness. There are now more than thirty-two hundred unsheltered people in the city of San Diego, and interestingly, the downtown partnership. Um, count that we follow really closely at Voice that tracks homelessness downtown and areas just outside of it was also released last week. And they counted more than 2,100 people, a new record. So think about that 2,100 versus about 500 slots. The 500 sounds like a lot, but even that first slot, 136, I mean, that could fill up very quickly if people are interested. His whole thing about if there's a place to go, uh, you know, I mean, I think this just shows you uh, that there's not necessarily going to be right. We're talking about shelters that are full right now, and we're talking about adding 500 spaces, and we're talking about the gravity of a problem that's in the thousands. Now, I asked him last week when he came on about this issue in his own report about the comprehensive shelter solutions. Uh, he, I, it says in there that about 30 people a day ask for shelter and don't get it and can't get it and how does he square that with like this sort of thing and this is what he said there's far more people out there unsheltered than there are shelter spots and uh, now you're going to say you're not allowed to not take those shelter spots that feels like a pretty significant disconnect now you're saying we're going to open a safe camping site we're going to do a couple of other things, but the numbers still don't add up. So how does that work out in your head? Pretty simply. I mean, first off, the law does not require us to have a one-for-one 
uh, option. You mentioned the 32 people who may raise their hand for which we can accommodate on a daily basis, but that's in the context of over 10,000 homeless people in our county, right? It's a small fraction of folks who are willing to say yes. I think once we set the expectation, more people will say yes, which is why we propose not one, but two safe sleeping sites that combined together uh, could have as many as 534 tent opportunities. And obviously, sometimes tents have more than one person. So you can see pretty quickly um, how we will be able to almost immediately set that up. This is something that was repeated a couple times in the meeting, which is that, yes, only this many people ask for shelter, they might not get it. But but when we push them, they're going to, a lot more of them have. I don't think he still has solved this conundrum, though, right? Like, (laughs) okay, yes, but that just means that double or triple will be asking for shelter that you don't have, right? Did, did, did he have a better answer for that in any of this? I, I guess I just, I struggle as I listen to this, just knowing and having talked to so many unsheltered people who may not be trying to get shelter every day, but they've tried before and haven't been able to get it and then are disillusioned about continuing to try when they literally waited days or weeks to try to get it before. So I think... You know, yes, maybe on a given day, a fraction of people are interacting with an outreach worker, a police officer, or going to the homelessness response center downtown um, to try to get a shelter bed. Um, But there are lots of people who want beds, and not everybody is suited for every bed that the city has. And so that's another big challenge that they'll face is that it's not just enough to have a shelter bed. You have to have a bed that works for that person. So we can talk more about the details of that, but I, I don't think he's directly addressed that issue. Okay, so this, this again, came up over and over and over. Uh, this is Hanan Scraper from the uh, PATH organization, the city's primary outreach group for homeless individuals. She was called upon. Now, she actually took the, I think, unusual and, and uh, interesting step to oppose this uh, measure, this uh, ordinance going forward, uh, but she was uh, showed up to make testimony at that uh, hearing and, and had to call in at the very end to, to make this point because they kept going back to it, which is, is there enough shelter available? And she is now speaking to this point uh, at the very end of the night. Of, you know, the adults, the 55 and older, or even those who came in requesting bottom bunk, um, we weren't really able to get most of them in due to lack of bed availability. I think um, even looking at from our outreach teams, making referrals into our existing shelters, we're looking at anywhere from 12 to 14% of those seeking shelter being able to access beds in a timely manner. 118 people visited uh, the Housing Resource Center, it's called, uh, in a recent week, and just 15 of them received a bed. So there's there's a number of different stats like this we can pull out right. but i don't think anybody disputes that there's not enough beds for the people who want them now i think mm-hmm. that shelter when we have shelter available that shelter will be used like that is the story that we've seen like over and over again if todd gloria increases shelter capacity it will get used right now our shelters are all at capacity and i think What's been weird about the whole debate is this insistence that people are refusing shelter. People don't want shelter. Certainly, people may have certain things going on in their lifestyle where they don't want shelter. Maybe they have a dog. 
maybe they're using drugs but it's just it seems it seems pretty false to say that people are refusing shelter when all our shelters are full well he got mad at that insinuation so um there was this really the as the night went on it got more and more tense in this meeting and um monica montgomery step one of the city council members who ended up voting no against this uh measure on this measure uh ordinance she asked some pointed questions and then mayor todd glory himself got up and wanted to respond and this is what he said to that exact point I mean, I would refer you to the, this morning's Union Tribune. They're interviewing homeless individuals who, the 60-something-year-old woman, Mrs. Higgins, who said, if this passes, I guess I'm going to go to a shelter now. That, coupled with the enhanced services that we're anticipating providing, the additional safe sleeping sites, the answer to your question is yes, because the message will be sent that it's no longer acceptable to deteriorate on the sidewalk and that we will have people making offers for more slots and more availability, not just the two safe sleeping sites, but everything you saw in the comprehensive shelter plan. So between the combination of more opportunity coupled with more consequences for turning down the services that you know from our outreach workers and our police officers get turned down way more than they ever get offers of uh, acceptance. This will change that paradigm. That will bring more people into care and reduce the number of unsheltered individuals living on the streets of your district, Councilmember Montgomery Stepp, your district, Councilmember Lee, your district, Councilmember Moreno. It's your choice. Yeah. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, this is the this is the primary disconnect is. And I think there's only one way to connect it, and I'll, I'll see if we can do this. But I think that what he's saying is there are a lot of people who say no to shelter. And I think it's fair. There are people who want to keep their stuff, who, like you said, uh, have various reasons why they can't or don't want to go in a shelter or had a bad experience in a shelter before, find them um, traumatic. Maybe they'd be more amenable, and it sounds like some of them that you encountered, Jacob, would mm -hmm. be more amenable to some of the safe camping spots, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, definitely. And and I mean, I think the the, the key thing that, that Lisa and everybody else has been harping on is that there are, sure, there may be beds, maybe they don't work for people, but at the same time, it does not seem that we are going to be anywhere near a place where we have enough beds for the people that are going to be forced to try to accept them. Right. So... Uh, so all of this, I think, only makes sense if you conclude which I, uh, what I think he has concluded, which is that the population of homeless individuals here is not from here and came here because they wanted to be homeless here. Hmm. Now, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that, but I don't see how else you, you complete that circle of logic. Right. Because the only way you can. So he thinks he's going to send them back to Phoenix or Temecula or whatever. I think that he has embraced the sort of long running narrative of the more conservative side of this community that believes that homelessness here is not a product of affordable housing deficiency, not a product of um, wages. It's not a product of housing supply or anything like that, that it is a product in particular here of um, a lax or permissive culture, an environment that allows it to be that if you 
let them come live like this, they will want to come live like this. That is not the Todd Gloria that came into office, I believe. Is well, it? <laughs> I think he would push back to say that he he does think the affordable housing crisis is a big part of it. Um, but interestingly, when I have pressed him on this, he starts talking about people in other parts of San Diego more um, because he knows that the data that we have, not to say that that data is solid, but the data that we have from the Regional Task Force on Homeless and its recent point in time count is that 80 percent of the people self-reported that they became homeless in San Diego County. But again, in San okay. Diego County. So you might have been become homeless in Oceanside or Santee and came to city of San Diego. And that, in fact, is a narrative that I can back up in my sure. years of reporting is that many people come to East Village in particular because that's where services are concentrated from other parts of the county. Yeah. And I think that I think that they have I think they have adopted. They might not say it directly, but I believe that there's no way the logic works about this message that they're trying to send unless it literally discourages people from being here and and that that's the the goal that he has pursued it, that he wants to say to them you have to take this shelter otherwise you are not welcome here and if we have sent the message that you are you are not any longer welcome here and that he believes i think whether rightly or wrongly that once that message is sent, as he said to us and in the council hearing, that the expectations are now changing, that you, that we expect this to be a cleaner community that you cannot camp at, and that that entire message will result in fewer people being on the street. Otherwise, the logic doesn't work. I mean, that would be a pretty incredible <laughs> mindset for him to take, given his very vocal you know, BMB background. And uh, I mean, another thing, does he just think there's like a hobo whisper network that, that is like, oh, you can't come to San Diego anymore. They, they're they really cracking down on stuff. I do. I absolutely do think that's the case. I uh -huh. think that he believes that that this message has been sent and it mm -hmm. needs to be reversed. Yeah. Now, this, to your what, point. I was going to say, what if there's no logic though, Scott? I mean, what if like the logic is what I think you said in one of your last columns that like, Todd Glory is sending a message to homeless folks on a certain level that you're not welcome here, but maybe more so he's sending a message to housed folks yeah. that, like, I don't like homeless folks. And maybe it's not any more complicated than that. I'm not sure politicians always have logic so much as just Ex wanting to be right in the polls. Well, but he's not a dummy. He knows that if you set an expectation, and let's talk about this for a second— they have raised expectations of what this ordinance will do to a really high level. They, they have. have. Yeah. They and, sure have. And I think that the only way you do that is if you have a theory that it's going to really make a difference to people's what they see and what they feel about their quality of life in San Diego. Huh. And the only way that makes a difference is by what I've described. Like uh, Otherwise, it is just a message, and it will be undercut in the next few months, and that will be even worse than the politics of, of what he's experienced uh, so far. Now, one point on on these these regional homeless individuals. So, I think there is some there is a really big disconnect also occurring between him saying all these places should have these services and take care of people where they're at, but also that that's why we have the problem that we do in <laughs> San Diego. Like, I don't think Poway is going to be excited about building a shelter and a service network. 
if the guy who says they should says that that's the reason that they've concentrated <laughs> downtown, right? And there has been a lot more sniping on his part. I mean, you saw it at the city council meeting. There was this, you know, turning to every single council member that he knew your was opposed district. to at your that district. point your district. Your choice. I mean, that was that was pretty that was intense. And and in interviews before this, he's he's specifically called out other cities that he feels are not living up to, you know, the level of services that San Diego has provided. And so he could be very well banking on, as you were saying, this messaging, uh, you know, sort of measure to uh, pushing people out. But at the same time, I, I just I don't I, I I in my head, I struggle to understand if this is about if any of this is about homeless people. I mean, you know, this as 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 Will said, so much of this feels again like a political move and not one that is meant to get more people in shelters. I mean, let, let, let's talk about visibility on the street a minute. You know, this last point in time count, there was a significant rise. There's no way around that. But, you know, one of my stories a couple weeks ago was about how if you look at the trend since 2012, homelessness hasn't changed nearly as much as we think. Now, we can quibble about how the point in time count has changed, et cetera, et cetera. But what is clear is that there have been a lot, a lot, a lot of people without houses in San Diego since at least 2012. And maybe once upon a time when the streets were clearer, those people were living where we couldn't see them. They they were in canyons. They were in riverbeds. And the thing that has happened recently is that there has been this great sense of urgency around homelessness in San Diego. And that is exactly as it should be. It is absolutely a humanitarian crisis. And if back in 2015 and 2012, when we still had about 10,000 homeless people, but we just couldn't see them and we weren't treating it like a crisis, that would be a travesty if we go back to those days, in my opinion. Well, it's also interesting because w when talking about the visibility within this ordinance, there are requirements that people can't camp in those places where they may not be as visible in canyons and, and riverbeds. Uh, I but mean, if you if you hide enough, you can hide. It's, it's not Fair. so much about visibility, though, right? Like it's it's literal like encampments that mm -hmm. occur. Like it's it's not they're not just visible, but but prominent and and then as you reported a couple of weeks ago as well the the encounters between people uh workers and shops and uh, baristas and right and but the, we need to the, you know the question what so what we haven't even talked about yet is how you've got this supposedly very progressive mayor who's moved to the right so far like yes there are real issues on the street in businesses with people making minimum wage dealing with wild stuff on a daily basis frequently from homeless individuals. But I think there's a lot of people in San Diego County who think that um, maybe more services are the way to deal with that, not like just street sweeping more often, but that is the place that we've come to. Well, that was his take several years ago when uh, before he ran for mayor. He said that we must end the criminalization of homelessness and focus on what does work, which is permanent supportive housing. Now, he's obviously changed his his perspective on that. But let's let's talk a little bit more about these expectations that have been raised here. So this was this this statement struck me. So this is council member Jennifer Campbell, uh, Dr. Jen. She uh, supported the measure. She was one of the five votes that did uh, against four that didn't. Uh, and she said this in her statement. She said, quote, this is a win-win ordinance. 
because our unsheltered neighbors camping on unsafe sidewalks and in unhealthy conditions will be able to live in clean and safe sleeping camping areas with 24-hour security, meals, showers, restrooms, and social services. Okay, let's stop there for a second. You could open the 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 ca- safe camping spots without this ordinance. That's not even part of this ordinance. It was presented at the same time, but it was actually proposed months ago before this. Uh, it was, I guess, presented at the same time same that time. They, put, they put it together. But the ordinance itself is not what's giving them the safe and clean place to be. Mm-hmm. She went on. She said, meanwhile, families walking through neighborhoods will no longer have to navigate through items blocking sidewalks, health hazards such as human waste. That's a big promise. I mean, I have, I've made a, a niche career over the last couple <laughs> of years here writing about people, legislators in particular, who pass laws and have big ideas of the changes those laws are going to make. Uh, often, you know, like uh, SB2, this, uh, the Senate bill that was passed to add a tax on transactions that would be used for affordable housing. When that passed five years ago, Senator Tony Atkins, Senate President Tony Atkins, made a big point about how it was going to truly change the cost of living in places like San Diego. And it did no such thing <laughs> at all, uh, obviously. They've gone in the other way. <laughs> this thing happens all the time when we pass a law, and it's like, oh, this is going to have you know this massive... So here she is saying, because of this law, families will not have to walk through this sort of encampment again. That is a bold, bold. thing to lay out, that that's what's going to happen. Um, talk to us more about what... Uh, what expectations you saw out of that meeting as well. It seemed like there were a lot of people uh, who thought it would reduce deaths. Uh, Marnie Von Wilpert used our reporting about deaths, uh, put it up on the, on, the, on, the, on the slides and said deaths are unacceptable at this level. They've increased massively. And, and, and they will go down as well. What is the theory behind that? Well, I think there seems to also be you know, a lot of of hope that this would reduce crime um, and drug dealing and all sorts of things. Um, and it's not clear. I mean, this is not like a real magic pill. Yes, it really is being presented that way. Um, but there was I think it's important to talk about. There was some pushback on that. Um, there were some particularly tense moments um, with Councilwoman Monica Montgomery Stepp, who actually said at one point, not really sure this is going to do what people think it's going to do you know that basically you know don't you police you know as a police captain was sitting there don't you enforce narcotics how does that work you know and and there was like kind of a tension well yes we do um he said something interesting he said uh we have to witness it and and I, again, it was another hint that there's something more to this ordinance, that this will give them a reason to disrupt things that doesn't have to be about witnessing a specific crime. When you ask them all the time about this issue, you say like, well, this guy pulled a knife or this guy was defecating in the street or this guy, you know, or something didn't like this was it, going. Didn't, they always say we didn't see it, so we can't do anything about it. And I think... Uh, he was he he. I think he used the the word excited several times. He's excited about the opening of the safe camping spot to be able to offer them that. He was genuinely the the police captain was genuinely excited that there would be this option to take people to. 
But I think there was also some enthusiasm on the police's part that there would be a new tool to disrupt these villages, if you will, that doesn't rely on them witnessing crimes occur. But also the existing ordinances. So the main ordinance that the city uses now is encroachment, which is blocking a sidewalk. Well, if I set up a campsite in Balboa Park, say, I am not blocking a sidewalk. So there's a higher bar. So what I had heard from an assistant chief who I spoke with last week is that they're thinking that the just the very language of this and the lack of specificity that they have in this encroachment ordinance, which, by the way, was written for trash bins, not people, um, should make it easier for them to crack down. Um, and they've also talked about, you know, how they're trying to step up and have patrol officers try to enforce this um, more as well as the neighborhood policing division officers that do this. But one thing that I'm really watching for is um, we have a police staffing crisis. We have a situation where police are struggling to respond to 911 calls and other calls that are coming in. They get many, many get it done reports already about um, camping, you know, homeless individuals. It's going to be very interesting to see how they keep up. And in fact, um, Will and I had some fun at a press conference recently. We were both asking Todd Gloria a lot of questions after. (laughs) And, um, you know, we were asking him, like, well, what sort of impact do you expect that this will have? Right. And his response was that, well, it's not going to be an overnight success story. It's going to take some time. And after that conversation, I then clarified with the police that they're going to be starting. Um, their enforcement near schools and in parks. So I think they're tempering this a little bit um, as you start to question them. But publicly, there's this belief that this is just going to have this huge impact. I think, you know, a lot of the business owners that spoke at the meeting and others. And so, man, I'm just watching to see the next several So I'd love to your guys help thinking through what what happens when (laughs) this ordinance doesn't turn into a magic wand. I mean, what happens six months a year down the line if we are still dealing with the same sort of things that we're dealing with now i'm checking my watch to see what year it is and trying to remember when todd gloria runs again (laughs) (laughs) a year from november yeah Uh, yeah. so i I think that um i think that's the big question and i think that's the big risk there are we're watching people across the community across the region who people who might have been I think would self-identify as liberals, as progressives who um, who don't want to see uh, people who are unsheltered as uh, some sort of other, some sort of dehumanized individual. But I think they have reached a lot of them have reached the point where they are horrified by what's happening. And there was a people uh, throughout the meeting who were sort of making this point that like I. I don't think of myself as them, but I am having, I I can't, this, I can't function. My business can't function. My, my, my parks can't function. My youth sports can't function the way things are. Well, earlier in the day at, at, at the press conference that he held, there was even a business owner who, who spoke in support of the ordinance who said precisely that, right? Like three years ago, I never would have supported something like that. And, and I still believe myself to be empathetic and, compassionate and I see the humanity in these people and she was like but also you know, unlike done. other people yeah but but also I, you know I'm tired of cleaning up feces in front of my my establishment I'm tired of x y and z and, and I think that it's interesting you know uh, 
I've talked a lot about this with Andy Keats, uh, RIP, um, <laughs> about how I think that we have just had this sort of this sort of just sea change, right? Uh, people are at a point now that they don't think is all that different from where they were three years ago, but it is again quite quite different, and, and it's 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 hard to imagine that this ordinance aside, it's hard to imagine a way that this starts to move in the other direction. Well, I think that what you will see from all of the indications that they've brought, that they're, the, the police now feel and the mayor now feels that with this ordinance, they will have a tool that they haven't had to more proactively disrupt it. I actually don't think we're going to see a trim. I think the the debate at the city council was about well, you can't criminalize them, you can't send them to jail, and and without the shelter. I think that the number of people that will actually be prosecuted with misdemeanors because of this may actually be far less than than some of the worries are there. I'm not saying you should feel comfortable about it if you're worried about it, but I think that the point isn't to give more people misdemeanors. I think that the point is to go and disrupt people with those first two steps far more often than they feel they can right now. And that that disruption will create a discomfort with uh, life on the streets that I, that the theory is will make them seek out uh, resourceful alternatives that they would be unwilling to do before. Because remember, the the my primary theory about the camps is that they made things comfortable enough more comfortable that the alternate was uh, not desirable, that you could, and, and that the entire theory of disrupting the encampments was to lower the comfort level to where the alternate would be more attractive. And now adding safe camping is even more attractive. And so I think that that, that, that remains the entire goal is to is to create more discomfort in the streets. If you can believe it, I can't imagine how <laughs> uncomfortable it is already. Yes, but that that's the theory, and that 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 will uh, convince if there's even a few hundred people who, for whatever reason, do prefer that lifestyle over the alternate, that they will make choices that change that, and that there will be an amelioration to some extent of the situation on the streets. That said. All it takes is one bad encounter for somebody's public opinion of the situation to go bad, right? Yeah. And so I think that they've raised expectations up to such a level with this that if in six months you have another bad experience at the park, no longer are you going to be kind of mildly frustrated that this is the way it is, but you're going to think that they tried, that they swung their best sure. swing at it, and they missed, and now something bigger needs to be done, and I fear something even more cruel. So let me, they've let me got ask, six months. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've already seen some a, a greater mainstreaming of things like, you know, there was what was it called Sun Ranch or something like that. This essentially concentration camp out in the desert. I mean, is all it, it? It seems like if if this doesn't have the miraculous effect that people have been touting that it will, it's just going to hasten our sort of. Uh, run into doomerism when it comes to homelessness. I mean, what what are these sort of concentration camp things? What what you really fear happening? Sunrise Ranch is what it was called. So it yeah, used to be yeah. just this random um, man's idea. George mm-hmm. Mullen came up with it. Um, now it's been embraced by people like Bill Walton yeah. and the others. And the concept was that you create a camp out in the desert 
you would uh it, it would be free to come and go but of course you know it's 25 miles away or something so it's not easy to come and go um there would be some sort of martial determination of like you're not allowed to sleep at all in these areas and you can you have to go there and so there'd be some kind of they believe it would have to be a national declaration of emergency of some kind and then and then they would be placed out there it's the same idea except that instead of um you know Balboa Park being the place that you're allowed to go uh you're you're you have to go 25 miles and they say like you can come and go but again like nobody's going to go there on Mm -hmm. their own like (laughs) literally nobody and so it does have the elements of yeah a a place where you concentrate people who you don't want to be around in a camp you concentrate (laughs) them there and they're camping yeah (laughs) now i think that i don't think that will ever there's so many weird steps that would have to be taken but i do think that the frustration level has reached a point where the mayor clearly recognized six to so months ago that he needed to match that energy with something ferocious, something hard and, and, and conceivable that would match that, that, that fear, fierce sort of frustration that was building. And that, yeah, I do think that if you don't show results out of that, that there is some major consequence. Now, I want to ask you. So uh, you and our photographer, uh, Ariana Dressler, went out right after the ordinance passed and talked to some people in encampments where in on Commercial Street, right? Uh, over on National. Okay. Uh, and asked them what they thought of it. And I thought you had some really interesting encounters. Tell me about them. Yeah. So we went out um, Wednesday morning, uh, you know, morning after the vote. And it, it was really interesting. Pretty much everyone we spoke to ha- ha- knew about the ordinance. Some knew a little more, some knew a little less. Um, and having those conversations, there was sort of a universal surprise and, and, and you know, um, uh, uh, disappointment at, at hearing that it had passed. You know, I would I would talk to somebody and be like, yeah, so it, it passed last night. And I was like, what? Um, and once we did start to explain exactly what was in this, you know, like, for example, on that corner in National, it's close to not only a shelter but a school. Uh, regardless of whether there was shelter availability, people wouldn't be able to stay. And upon hearing details like that, it was they, you know, were even even more uh, disappointed and, and, and surprised at, at the fact that it's pa- it had passed. Um, and there were multiple people who were hoping to find spots in safe camping sites where they'd open up. Uh, for, for many of them, you know, the, the, the tents are a form of shelter. Um, the, what was really interesting also, and I didn't really get into it too much in that piece, is, is the sense of community that has developed in, 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 on this street, in particular 16th uh, and National. And, you know, everybody knew each other by name. They know their neighbors. It, it's also a street that, that Will visited for his recent, uh, his recent death story. Um, but I think that the one thing that really... Uh, stuck out the most is that most of these folks don't really know what they're going to do. They're not really sure. Um, And I think that there is this sort of wait and see feeling developing. Uh, Many are saying that, uh, you know, maybe we'll just kind of stay and if they kick us out then they kick us out, but what are we going to do? We're going to have to set up our tent somewhere else the next day. Um, but there were a couple people, you know, talking about <laughs> be uh, peacefully protesting and, and potentially creating a class action lawsuit. Um, I, I think, I think in the same way that all of us 
are in a sort of wait and see mode as to what this actually does. I mean, homeless people are no different. They're, they are also trying to figure out what this means in their personal lives and what it means for them long term. In the debate, Lisa, there was a lot of discussion about um, the mayor basically tried to divide people and say, like, you're you're either for this or you're you're supportive of the tents. Like it, 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 he almost made it. So like you 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 could even see like a mailer in the future that that uh, Kent Lee uh, sided with the intent encampments over you know quality of life or something like that you could see that fissure developing. Do you think um, that worked? Do you think that he made that framing successful? Because I do think there were a lot of people who were forced to sort of defend the status quo in a way that I think also felt uncomfortable, right? Like this will cause people to die. And and I think he had a good retort saying like, they're dying now, like a lot. There, There is, so do you think that worked or do you think it, uh, it, it came up short? Well, I think the, the council members who voted no on this would argue that they are not in favor of, of homeless encampments um, or the, the impacts um, that living outdoors have on people. Um, it's a hard life outside. We we can't deny that. Um, but they had questions about, you know, what is this actually going to do? Um, do we actually have enough places for people to go? Um, could there be harm caused? For example, um, Council President Shawnee Lo Rivera was concerned about the portion of the ordinance that would ban people from being near shelters, which is the area that Jacob and Will had visited recently, people would be banned from staying. Right now, people in those communities that are there, though it's not an ideal situation, they face a lot of harsh conditions on the street, they're supporting each other. So when someone has an appointment, other people are watching their stuff. Um, They also literally are saving each other's lives with Narcan that gets um, distributed in this area. But also some of the folks told me, I'm staying here because I see my case manager um, or I'm able to go to the health center. So I think there's, you know, the folks that um, voted against us would say, you know, that they feel that there's a lot of nuance that wasn't addressed. Um, One issue we haven't talked about yet either is that there are seniors and people with serious disabilities on the street. And often our current shelters can accommodate them. And so um, a couple weeks ago, I literally sat down with people that can't move. They can't move. And so, you know, one of the women, she has epilepsy and is paraplegic. She relies on her partner, um, who is a man, which means that they can't be together in a shelter to bathe her and care for her. Um, And so a shelter is not an ideal place for her. Um, So I think one of the big unanswered questions. The street's not either. The street is not ideal either. Yes. She absolutely does not want to be on the street. When according to the amendments they made last night, I think they yes. cannot kick her out now because they said you have to have a shelter bed that meets your specific needs. Yeah, there were a couple moments where this came up where they would say, like, what if you're driving the person to the jailhouse and they say, no, 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 I'll take shelter, I'll take shelter. Like, will you pull it back? And he said, yes, absolutely. Or if we can't, and then they, they kept specifying, like, if you can't find a place that's suitable for that individual, will you still prosecute? They said, absolutely not. So they're saying all the things that conform to that. So couldn't, I mean, isn't she going to be in the same situation she is now? What changes about her situation if all that's true? 
Well, I think it's still unclear because sometimes um, someone will accept a bed. Um, for example, um, another woman in the story um, that I spoke with recently had been staying at the old Central Library shelter. She went in, but she had panic attacks and she has a lot of health issues. And ultimately, she couldn't stay in the shelter. And so she ended up in the hospital and then back outside. So I think sometimes people do accept shelter, but it ultimately doesn't work for them. Or maybe they do say yes to the police officer and they go into the shelter. And what I'm hearing is sometimes if there's a recognition that this person can't perform activities of daily living, like we're talking about bathing, eating, uh, moving around on their own, sometimes the shelter says, sorry, we can't we can't accommodate you. Now, you know, hopefully they'll they'll try to find another place that this person can go, but it's just it's just not simple. And and the fact of the matter is is that there are many more people on our streets that are in these situations now and a lot of them are living in tents. Mm-hmm. And so I think there are a lot of open questions about this and this is something that I deeply want to continue reporting on because mm-hmm. yes, these folks should not be on the street. It's unconscionable that they're on the street. So what should we be doing as a community to make sure that there is a place for them to be? You know, I think I, just to go back to the community aspect for, for a minute, I think, you know, I don't know if people like hear us talking about communities and people getting services and looking out for each other. And, and I wonder, you know, I, I feel like maybe at some point before I had done a lot of reporting on homelessness, my eyes might just gloss over and I'd be like, oh, that's like a little Pollyanna because like the visuals of homelessness are so very jarring. They're they're just shockingly jarring. It's it's very hard to get your mind around an encampment and people using the bathroom in the street where you can see it and and so many other things in the street where you can see it. But like when you do go talk to those people, you're like, "Damn, these are people with friends." and neighbors with desires and uh, sadnesses and you know it truly is a community in a way that is very hard to fathom I think unless you talk to those people you know Um, and uh, I I hope that that will be something that will be kept in mind because I think the visuals people have latched onto them and that is what has led this debate to run to the place it has well i think if anything emerges that's good it's it's this concept that we have to take care of not just the people but their communities like that that if we offer safe places to be it can't be just in a in a in a human storage facility that there is something more that needs to be pursued that humans need not just shelter but they want purpose and community as well. Obviously, they need food and, 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 and warmth. But when you get past that, they need purpose and they need community. And that's the, the opening of the safe camping spots that allow this, this community to be put into those areas that are safer and cleaner than, than in, in normal neighborhoods, I think does make sense. And it does have a certain level of sense to it that... I think is a healthier, um, you know, place to go than, than the old style sort of big shelters for people that, you know, are bunk beds. Totally. And, and, and I think that the more that you start to em- embrace that, the more, but we have to move on to as well to other places of living that are, you know, are human civilizations filled with, with history of people that live in, 
uh, in single room occupancy hotels or right. in, in boarding rooms and homes or in other communities like that that aren't just you know super expensive uh, uh, individual apartments where you're also walled off from people like there I think, are always going to be people living on the edge yes and we we've lost that, that place right. we've lost that middle ground between homelessness and a studio apartment and and until they solve that, we're not going to have much progress on this. So let's do final thoughts. Um, we've we've gone on a lot. It was just an incredible uh, uh, meeting and discussion. We wanted to make sure we processed it. Jacob, I, I guess my biggest fear is that that again, this not this will not have much of an impact on what we're actually seeing day to day, and that will only again hasten our sort of descent into this doomerism mindset about homelessness that will only make the conversation and and people's reactions to to homeless folks more more vicious and and less compassionate um and you know one thing that i'll be really really curious to see about and i know we all will as this starts to unfold is just what implementation looks like you know how does an officer on the street uh know that there are beds available um, how do they, you know, ensure that there is a bed that meets somebody's needs? That sounds like a whole lot of, of coordination that I just I'm not confident that that they can set up in a really, really seamless way. Yeah. I mean, the, they were talking about just the idea of moving a tent from downtown into the safe temp camping spot seems like a logistical challenge mm-hmm. that obviously they, they've done it before. They can do it. There's the bands they have, but an individual officer is not always going to have the big van. Like, yeah. how does this? Just little things like that seem like a fascinating um, thing to resolve. So, yeah. um, I think Jacob said it very well. I think the jury's out on the impact this will have. I think you know what I can't underscore enough is that we're talking about people, and anytime you're talking about people and human behavior. There are a lot of things that you can't predict. Some people might decide, like Jacob was saying earlier, oh, I'm just going to stay in this area until the police come and force me out. Um, other people could decide that they're going to go to another part of the city in mass. Um, or people could decide to go to canyons and then they get taken out of the canyons and pushed somewhere else. So I think there's a lot we don't know. But I, for certain, am taking my calendar and I'm marking off toward the end of July and early August when I think this implementation is going to be starting. And I want to take as many questions from our readers and listeners as possible. So if folks have questions or issues that they think we should be tackling, I'm here for it. And I know the whole team is. I think, um, you know, the politics are fascinating fascinating and i'm going to steal something you said a little bit the other day scott that like you know we have this crisis on our hands and we have a 9-0 democratic city council but you had these five democrats who just fell back on old solutions and maybe those solutions are useful i'm not even talking about that i'm just saying they are old solutions and there are republican solutions in this case And so I think if Todd Gloria thought that permanent supportive housing alone was going to solve this whole crisis, he was dreadfully wrong, clearly. And we have to come up with like multiple tools to find shelter for people, including like SROs and transitional housing without barriers, maybe different from the transitional housing we used to have. But like when we have space, that space becomes full. That's where we are right now. And that seems to me this is all like about enforcement, 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 but like, can we find space for these people? And do we have the political will to deal with that question in new and original ways? 
yeah, the, the former mayor, Kevin Faulkner, criticized the ordinance because it didn't offer enough shelter. Yeah. It was <laughs> really interesting. And if you look at the numbers, he did have more shelter space available under his administration than is available now. Now, the the new lots and a couple other changes may change that. But uh, it really, and then maybe he's just being opportunist, you know, just like hitting him wherever he's vulnerable, the current mayor. But uh, I do think that's interesting. So, yeah, I, I think I would settle on, on, I think that expectations question is real. I do think to the extent that uh, there was frustration that there was there was a frustration in the community. There is a frustration in the community that needed to be met and needed to be seen. I think I would have taken a more emergency approach that I've talked about before about like the treat it like a tsunami has hit, put on right. a, a yellow jacket, and 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 that's what I'll be looking forward here. Does this does this law come with it more urgency? of finding places where people are allowed to be and and matching the push from them elsewhere to a place they can go cuz we'll 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 focus on those two sites but I think you should you should open it up to the entire community say do you have a warehouse somewhere mm-hmm. do you have a parking lot do you have right. extra rooms do you have a a, a a hospital you can change into a boarding room like a home hotel that can be converted that the entire community needs to be mobilized around finding safe places for all the different types of people who are homeless because if you don't do that you can enforce and move people around all at once but it's going to cause more i think violence and disruption unless there are places for them to go and that's what i would be looking forward to is do they match the ferocity or the push towards enforcement with even more uh, demand and requests for the community to step up and provide places for people to go? And I think if that happens, maybe we could see an improvement. Um, but if not, then we'll have a, a profound disappointment in this community that would manifest, I think, in, in some really awful uh, discussions. Unfortunately, I'm not holding my breath, but I love the sound of it, Scott. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys for joining, and uh, we'll, we'll see how this all plays out. Thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast recorded in San Diego, uh, in greater Little Italy at least, uh, the edge of the edge of Little Italy in San Diego. Don't forget about that link, vosd.org slash pod. People, if you support Voice of San Diego and the podcast, please donate there at vosd.org slash pod. People, we rely on generous listeners like you to keep the lights on and keep all of our staff who are critical to making voice work. We need to raise $300,000 by the end of June. Please give today at vosd.org slash pod people. I'm Scott Lewis, CEO and Editor-in-Chief at Voice San Diego. Nate John's our producer, but this week, Adam Greenfield brought this episode home. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.